Hey everybody, welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Good morning, church. I'm right up here. And uh, oh, you, can, you can just hear my voice. That's all you need, right? That's all you need. Hey! Hey, good morning and welcome. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Revelation chapter 7 as we're uh, studying about future Jesus. And, and uh, we're going to hear about this future church that Jesus already sees. And as we open our scriptures to Revelation 7, let's open our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we are, we are helpless before this word that's on this page except that you send your Holy Spirit to pour out your divine light over it so that we can understand, we can believe, we can trust, we can hear your living voice, and we can be called to obey. Help us. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Amen. Revelation 7, verse 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the thrones and around the elders, the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? Where do they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is God's word. We're grateful. Amen. I love the feeling of meeting someone who knows someone I know. You ever have that? Do you love that feeling? I was, uh, next week in the pulpit up here, we'll have Reverend Katie Fowler. Many of you know Katie Fowler. Woo! And uh, Katie, she is, uh, uh, she came up here in the church and, and uh, we, she got ordained here. Now she's planning a church with her husband Chuck up in Denver. And, and so I was having lunch with somebody last week who's, who knows Katie from Denver. And we had that moment of like, oh, you know Katie? Well, I know Katie. You know? Hey, we know Katie! And isn't she great? Yeah, she's great. And some people say, oh, that's kind of like a name-dropping thing. It's, it's not for me. It's this celebration of connection. I know somebody you know. 
I remember in 2001, I was in Kenya for the first time and on a mission trip, and we were doing a, a field vacation Bible school for 200 kids. And, and as we got going with these kids, there just was the sense of, of hey, we're, we're connected. There's a connection here. I mean, we were very different. We were from different backgrounds, obviously, and different lifestyles, and, and uh, we looked really different from each other. Uh, my skin was a lot whiter than their skin, and it was also a lot hairier. And, and so the kids, they'd come up and they would kind of hang on my forearms. They'd run their, this, is this gross? Sorry. They'd run their, their hands kind of up and down my forearms and they would laugh and laugh, you know. We felt this great connection though. So I was lying in bed and I was thinking, what is that connection? Where does that connection come from? And then it, it, it dawned on me. They know someone that I know. You know, they know Jesus and I know Jesus. They've met someone that I've met. And there's a connection in that. And Jesus, for me, our relationship is all in English. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, it's never anything else but American contemporary Colorado English, right? That's how Jesus talks to me. And for these kids, they know Jesus, and their relationship is in Kikuyu or, or it's in Swahili, but they know Jesus. I went the next day into, in the vacation Bible school, and I was looking at them right in the eye, and I could just see in their eyes, hey, you know someone that I know. There's connection. Jesus gathers the nations. Jesus is already in the future. Do you know that? When Jesus was born, Jesus was born out of uh, infinity, out of eternity, and into time. Part of taking on flesh, he came incarnate. He took on his flesh. He emptied himself, says Philippians 2. So he emptied himself. He took on flesh. Part of that is taking on the limitations of the flesh, which is you can't be in the future, in the past, and the present at the same time if you're in the flesh. And so Jesus, even though he's, he's eternal, he was born into the flesh, into the present uh, moment. But he's already uh, Jesus past, Jesus future, Jesus present. He's all those things all at once. Have I blown your mind? I grew up on a lot of Star Trek, you know, uh, a lot of uh, Terminator movies, Back to the Future, one, two, three, all of them. So this is easy for me. I can wrap my head around this. Like, I get, I get it, like the time-space continuum. But here's the point. Here's the point. This passage that we're reading, this revelation that we're studying, we're reading it as though it's way in the future because for us, it is. But for Jesus... It already exists. He's already there. And so it isn't for him. For us, it's like an, it's an inspiration. It's a vision. It's a dream. But for Jesus, it already exists. It's real. And he's showing it to us, and he's saying, this is what I am walking you straight into. Future Jesus is already there. This beautiful congregation, this amazing church where Jesus gathers the nations. Because the picture, friends, is a picture of, of, uh, of different peoples all worshiping Jesus with, with integrity and faithfulness to their own culture, their own tribe, their own context. But they're coming together to worship Jesus, the one Savior and Lord. See, God loves this beautiful diversity of all the peoples of the world. And, and, and he, he also, at the same time, he calls them into a harmonious unity of worshiping the one true God. So future Jesus operates in every language, in every cultural context he can connect. He knows how to talk all these different languages. He operates in all of these families and tribes and peoples because they all belong 
to one God. As it says in Ephesians, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. The Father. So a quick happy Father's Day to, to those of you who, to whom that pertains. And happy Father's Day to you at home who are worshiping with us online. Uh, my dad worships here. I'm grateful for my dad, grateful for our, our name. Uh, most of us in our context, we get our last names from our, from our fathers. It's not true everywhere. But most of us got our, our last names from our fathers. I'm grateful for our name. At the same time, I'm, I'm even more grateful that every name, that every family name derives from the one God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And wherever we are, we're one family. Amen? Why is it so hard to live into that? You know, we've had uh, the last few years a great deal of pain and disharmony and strife surrounding issues of of race and ethnicity in America. And I want you to know, First Pres, we take this, this issue very seriously. And um, we don't jump to conclusions on complex issues or, or kind of pop off on social media to catch the winds. Uh, we do kind of more, <laughs> uh, kind of a more Presbyterian thing. When, there, when, there's a, when there's a big problem, do you know what Presbyterians do? Form a committee, that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I was like, oh no. But you know what it is, folks? It's, a, it's, a, it's an opportunity to pursue Jesus and to know that we're pursuing him faithfully about a heart issue without getting sort of swept up in emotion. So yes, so we formed a committee. And the, our, our committee met, though, I want you to know this, a group of elders, active elders and one pastor met every week the last 10 months, an hour and a half, every Tuesday afternoon they met. And they're praying and studying and discerning and talking to people in our congregation and interviewing. And they, they, all around this question of, how are we doing, First Pres? How are we doing in our awareness and our diversity? Are we reflecting as a body of Christ the diversity of God's people? Are we reflecting as an evangelistic outreach to Colorado Springs the diversity of the people that we are trying to reach with the gospel? How are we doing in our worship gatherings and in our, our gatherings up as a church? How are we doing at reflecting the beauty of the diversity of the Revelation Church that we see right here that Jesus already knows we are going to become? You know, how are we doing, First Press? You know what? We believe Jesus is leading us into some great opportunities for growth. And we're on our way. And not in a knee-jerk reaction to this or that thing or to kind of tilt the sails to the winds that, uh, of culture, but th this, is, this is the idea that we are in steady and faithful obedience to Jesus Christ, our Lord, the head of our church, the one who is calling us and drawing us into the beautiful kingdom and into the diverse church of Revelation. Because you know what, friends? This, this Jesus who's, who's pulling us into that, he wants us to taste some of the joy of that kingdom right now. Verse nine. After that I looked and there before me was a great multitude. Great multitude. That no one could count. 
from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice. Church, I want you to say this with me. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Let me draw three points out of those two verses, okay? Number one, number one, we are in that future church. Number two, future Jesus gathers all nations. And number three, all nations have one Savior. Number one, we are in the future church. We will be there. I don't want you to miss the beauty of that, the power of that. We, you and I, if we're in Christ, we will get to be a part of that congregation. <laughs> I, don't, I don't deserve to be there. Do you? I'd be happy with a friend who snuck me in the back door. Amen? But Jesus says, I want a place for you in this beautiful congregation of eternal life. John was writing in a time when Christians were already feeling the persecution of, of a world that, that didn't like followers of Jesus. People were, were getting uh, uh, chased by mobs. They were getting beaten, uh, stoned. They were getting uh, cast out, chucked out of their lives. John himself is in exile on an island as he writes this letter and sees this revelation. People are getting their businesses burned to the ground. They're, they're getting uh, tossed out of their towns and villages. They're getting stoned and killed, like Stephen. Uh, Stephen gets stoned and killed in the book of Acts. So they're getting thrown off of, of high walls, high city walls, like Jesus' own brother James was, was chucked off of a wall to perish. And so all this is happening, and, and what John sees, and I don't want you to miss the power of what he sees here, is that after that, after the suffering, after the pain, after all we go through, whatever it is we go through, and you've got to go through stuff. I've got to go through stuff. We are going to go through hard things. Maybe you won't get run out of your business. Maybe your business won't get run, burned to the ground. Maybe you won't get persecuted and martyred, although some will and some do. But after you go through what you've got to go through, after you go through the pain, the trial, the suffering, the tribulation, because friends, as we go through life in this world, I'm here to tell you, there's gonna be times where you understand that it hurts. There's gonna be times where you experience that things are not as they ought to be. And there's pain, and it hurts again and again. After all that, Beyond all that, after the suffering, after the pain, after the tribulation of whatever it is that you've got to go through, you and I will be with Jesus. And he will be our comfort. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
That's a promise. Now, number two, Jesus gathers all nations. Jesus gathers all nations. Look at this again. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. What I want you to see in this is John could tell that they were different. Do you catch that? I mean, they're all wearing white robes. They're all holding palm branches. But John could tell that they were different. I mean, really different. So different, he couldn't count how many differences there were, right? It's such a multitude, I can't even, how did he know? How did he know that they were different? Well, they're all wearing this, well, but some of them, maybe they're, they're wearing something kind of uh, different under their, maybe they have a different hairstyle. Maybe they uh, have different earrings and things. Maybe they got some different tattoos, right? You can kind of see the tattoos popping up out of the robe, you know. Maybe they've got uh, different shoes on. Some of, these, some of these guys in white robes, they're wearing a three-piece suit, right? Because it's church, and that's what, you know. But the other people, they're under that robe, flip-flops and shorts, you know, beach tee. They're ready to go. And some people are wearing a, a, a red-patterned shuka blanket of the Maasai tribe. Some people are wearing a silk shirt from Mongolia and a silk hat. And John can see, hey, these people are all, and you know what? They look different. Their, their skin is different colors, and, and their languages, the way they talk is different. He can see all these differences in these people. And John wants to make it clear. When I see this church, what I'm seeing is lots of different people. You know, so he goes through these four words. I want you to study these with me. Because we often get, in a lot of scriptures, we get this word for nation. It's the Greek word ethnos, where we get the word ethnicity in English. So that's the first word, nation. Jesus told the disciples to go out to all, you know, all, all ethnoi. This is what Jesus said when he, when he gave the Great Commission, Matthew 28. He said, look, you've got to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You've got to make disciples of, of which nations? All nations. That's the word ethnoi, ethnos, where we get ethnicity. But John goes past that word, you know. He goes to this next word, tribe. Now that's the word phyle, where we get the, the biology term phylum. I never know how much people care about any of these words, you know. But if you're keeping score at home, I, I want to tell you. I don't want you to, you know, because I think it's kind of interesting. But tribe, phyle, phylum. And if you read up the page, what you're going to see is that John has just been talking about the tribes of Israel. So this is like a family line, a genetic line. It's like, this, I got history. This is a, a, a connection here that goes kind of up and down through my family line. But then he goes on. He goes to this next word, people, people. That's the Greek word laos, where we get laity. And it usually just means like a mass of people, like a big group, like people that just like to run together, you know? My people. Like my people, we like to do the same stuff. We like to wear the same clothes. We like to listen to the same music. Uh, we like to go to the same baseball game, whatever, right? These are my people. You know who your people are? You know, these are my people. Well, what John sees is he sees people from every people all coming together in this church. And then you get this last word, language, language. It's the word glossa, where we get the word glossary, language. There's nothing more defining for us, right, than 
in our culture than our language. Uh, the, the philosopher Steve Martin. <laughs> he is kind of a philosopher, isn't he? But he was, he was talking a long time ago about learning French. And, and he said, you know, I'm trying to learn French. But it's like those people have a different word for everything. <laughs> We're defined by our, our language, the words that we use, the words that we, that we speak. And all these different languages are there. Friends, do you get this with me? The healing of, of the, the sin that separates, the healing of the Tower of Babel, is not that we all come together and speak one, one language. Remember at Acts, at Pentecost, it's that the Holy Spirit comes, and though there are different languages spoken, there's understanding. Understanding is the power of the Holy Spirit at work. Understanding. So John says, hey, there's all these people, there's all these, they're coming from all kinds of different walks of life, and they're all in one place, all together. All these tribes, nations, tongues, in one place, all together. See, for John and for his church, hey, they were just starting to grasp how big, how deep, how wide the love of Jesus. That you, what do you mean? Like, this isn't just for the Jews of Jerusalem, it's also for the Greeks. Well, it's not just for the Greeks. It's also for the Romans. The Romans. And it's not just for the Romans, but it goes on. And it's for the Egyptians, and it's for the Ethiopians, and the, the Spanish, and the Anglo-Saxons. I mean, I've never even seen one, but I believe they exist way up there in the north somewhere. Are you with me? And, and I think it's for them. I think I saw some of them in that church that God showed me in this revelation. And, and it's for the it's for the the. the, the Persians and the Asians and, and, and the indigenous of every spit and spot of land on this whole globe. All these people. It's for all of them. And John could see that. They were already there in the future church with future Jesus. Already there. And they're beautifully diverse. And he see that John could see it because they didn't all give up their languages and their customs and their cultures and their dress. They're all wearing white robes. They're all holding the palm branch. But they didn't give up all their languages and all their cultures and all their colors. They didn't dissolve into one <laughs> big, bland glob of spiritual vanilla pudding. You with me? It's this beautiful diversity that God loves as the people of God come together. God made 18,000 different species of birds. You know what God likes? Diversity. <laughs> he loves it. He loves the beauty of it. And the future church is full of it. And here comes the most amazing thing. Out of all this diversity, out of all this difference, out of all this variety, God brings amazing supernatural unity and harmony. All nations, all nations, have one Savior. One Savior. After this I looked. Here's your verse. There before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, say it again, church. Salvation belongs to our God 
who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The throne, the Lamb. All nations, all peoples, one throne, one Lamb. They all, and they all wore white robes. Why? Because out of everywhere that they came from, out of all the contexts that they came from, the blood of the Lamb washed their robes white. All the ways that they had been stained by their, their own sin, their own mistakes, the things they had done, the things that had been done to them, their, their robes are washed white by the blood of the Lamb of God. When Jesus came, he came as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. And their robes were washed white by the blood of the Lamb. Come now, it says in Isaiah, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They are, though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. How? By the blood of the Lamb of God. Jesus, he came and he died. And when he died on the cross as a sacrifice for the sins, as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, he didn't draw any lines around any national boundaries or any languages or any customs or any people groups. He said, I'm dying, I'm giving my blood that any can come and have their robes washed white and their sins forgiven and come into the family of God for eternal life from every background, language, nation, voice, every background, salvation. They cry out in one voice. Woo! Salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb on the throne. Amen. What does salvation mean to people so different from us? What about a first century Roman centurion? What does he need to be saved? He needs Jesus. Ah, what about a what about a like a, a ninth century Germanic barbarian girl? Like what does she need to know salvation? She needs Jesus. No, 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 no. It's different. It's different for all people, all contexts, what their heart needs, the problem, you know, the existential problem they're facing. It's different. What about a what about a Japanese samurai warlord 300 years ago? What is it, what does salvation look like? To him, do you know what it looks like? It looks like Jesus. No, people are different. People are diverse. Yeah, people are different. People are diverse, beautifully diverse. Salvation is in Jesus Christ. There's one God, the Father of us all, who sent his one Son, Jesus Christ, to die for all, that all might call on him and be saved and be united in faith. And he, he came, he died once for all. He died to bring you home to the Father God. He died so that your robe could be washed white. And he rose again from the dead. And his name is Jesus. And salvation, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven, given to mankind by which we must be saved. One name. First Pres, I want you to believe me now. We can be the very best at bringing different people together. You know what? The Romans, they were so confused by Christianity. Roman governors, they wrote each other letters. Like, what's going on with these Christianos? Why? Well, because I see a, a senator and a slave 
going to the same place to have dinner together at the same time. And I see an African woman and a Persian businessman, and, and I see soldiers and tax collectors and children and women, and they're all coming together at one time at one place. They, they wrote each other letters because they're like, I'm freaked out. What in the world is this? You know what it is? I know someone you know. You know someone I know. There's a connection. It's Jesus. Future Jesus invites you to taste that reality today. But to be part of that church in the future, you've got to belong to Jesus right now. And I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to Jesus who came, who died for you, who rose from the dead. He knows you. He already knows you. He knows your story, your context, your language. He knows you through and through. But I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to him. Because I believe I know in a room this size, there are hearts sitting here right now and there are hearts who are worshiping with us online and you're feeling a clench. It's the grip of the Holy Spirit on your life and it's time for you right now, today, to say yes to Jesus, to open your heart to Jesus. So I want to give you an opportunity to pray. Say, I want to be a part of that body. I want to be a part of that eternal life. I want to be a part of that beautiful diversity, Jesus, that you're leading people into. I want to be a part of the celebration of what you made of humanity across the globe. And I want to be free from the the things that bind me up and the things that cause me fear and the things that clench me up against others, the ways that I've been hurt or the ways that I've hurt others, the mistakes that I've made or the mistakes that have been made against me. I want to be free to those things, Jesus. I want to walk into a new freedom, a new life, a new community that you have formed by your blood. And so I want to give you my life. I want you, church, to to pray with me to help those who need to say yes to Jesus today by praying with one voice, all followers of Jesus. Just follow along with me in prayer as we offer ourselves to Jesus Christ. Bow your heads now. Close your eyes. Every place where you are, you at home, you worshiping on on a screen, now is the moment. You can bow your head and close your eyes and speak with Jesus. Follow after me. Make this your prayer. Dear Jesus, you are the one on the throne. You are the saving Lamb of God. You are salvation for every people, every tribe, every nation who calls on you. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. Thank you for giving your life. Now I give you mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprezcos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T. P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.